Welcome to the Abiding Marriage Podcast. I'm Sean Solberg. And I'm Glenn Solberg, her husband. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. You know, when the Bible talks about the challenges that we all face in life and in marriage, it goes beyond talking just about external things, you know, things we can see with our eyes, because it really wants us to peer deeper. You know, much quoted verse in the Old Testament says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And when it comes to married couples working on marriage issues, including us, we have to get to what the Bible calls the heart. You know, understanding our heart is truly vital to growing and thriving in your marriage. So stay with us, and we're going to talk more about what we call the vital significance or the centrality of the heart in marriage. And as always, thanks for joining us on today's episode on this journey of marriage. So why do we feel it's important to talk about the centrality of the heart? Well, as biblical counselors, we are all about helping a husband or a wife to figure out the root of what's causing the challenges between them in their marriage. You know, it's important to talk about behaviors of both the husband and the wife, but we really have to go deeper to find the why behind their actions. You know, we don't want to just focus on the external actions. We want to really understand what's going on deeper. So, like, here's an analogy. (laughs) I I love this analogy, by the way. (laughs) I have a tire on my car Uh, that has a slow leak. mm. So my tire gets low all the time. And I'm guessing, about, guess who has uh, to work on yes, that tire? Yes, what's about every 10 days? I'm like, honey, uh, can you go <laughs> fill up my tire, please? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we have, thankfully, a small air compressor at home that he can just do it at home. Uh, but while this helps, it's a temporary fix to my low tire pressure. Yeah. But it really does not address the cause of the problem. You know, what we really need to do is figure out what's causing my tire slow leak and to get it fixed. That's what really has to happen if we want the issue to be resolved. And just like that tire example, if we really want to see the real issues in our marriage and our relationships, then we've got to dig deeper for the cause. For sure. For sure. I'll be glad when that tire gets fixed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I will. So... But along those same lines, you know, there's an author and seminary professor named Jeremy Pierre. And and here's what he says on the subject. I love what he says. There are two different takes when when you're listening to a couple um, as a marriage counselor. There are two different takes that you hear on the same marriage. These takes are usually inconsistent. They're sometimes unrelated, and they're often in direct conflict. Mm-hmm. It would be much easier to skip the task of exploring two hearts and instead be satisfied with general principles of marriage. So while giving a, a positive view, vision of marriage is necessary, it is not sufficient. Couples need to understand why they're in trouble, why mm-hmm. they're doing the things they're doing. It's not because of poor communication strategies or even external influences of life. It's primarily because their hearts are in some ways responding wrongly. 
they're seeing things in life and in marriage incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Now, if what Jeremy shared in that quote is true, and we believe that it is, and every husband and wife need to shift their focus from only looking at behavior to focus on the heart issues that drive those behaviors. Right. Or said in other words, said in another way, every person should refocus on seeing not only their marriage, but their entire life from God's perspective. Because again, God looks at the heart. And and as as we know as biblical counselors, it's heart change that brings real lasting change when old patterns are broken. And that that's when the slow leak gets permanently fixed, mm-hmm. right? That's when we finally get the tire fixed and I don't have to go up there every <laughs> 10 days and keep filling it up. <laughs> yes. And, you know, we'll talk more about this as we go along. But with that background, you know, we're going to move into what the heart is according to the Bible. You know, again, remembering that we believe the heart is truly vital or central to all that we do and the choices that we make in life and in marriage. So what does the Bible mean when it uses the term heart? Does that term just apply to the physical heart that beats in my chest, that pumps blood around? Or is, is there something more when the Bible describes a heart that it's talking about? Well, let me, let me share what the book of Proverbs says in just two, two places. It says, The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. That's Proverbs 16.23. And here's the other verse from Proverbs. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That's Proverbs 21 too. So just from those two verses, we can see that the Bible is definitely talking about more than yes. just our physical heart. Yes. You know, the word heart in the Greek or the Hebrew is used more than a thousand times throughout the Bible. You know, Jesus is speaking in Matthew 12, 33 through 35. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So Jesus uses a simple example to remind us that apples do not grow on orange trees. <laughs> yes. yep. You know, we really can know what kind of tree you are looking at because you can see its fruit. In the same way, we see what's truly in our own hearts by the things that we say or the things that we do. You know, one one way to look at the use of the term heart in the Bible is to look at how God created us. I was good to go back and look, well, how did God create us from the beginning? And and many Bible experts believe that God created us to be in three parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. While there are other Bible experts that believe we're just two parts, sort of the they call it the outer person and the inner person. Well, the truth is for us, wherever you land on two parts or the three parts, the term heart in the Bible is certainly not referring to the physical organ that pumps blood. We talked about that already. But it's really referring to the parts of us that are more intangible, uh, parts that we can't necessarily see or feel or put in a test tube and, and do an experiment on, right? I love what Paul David Tripp says about the heart. Here's his quote. He said, human beings are made in two parts, the inner man and the outer man. The outer man is your physical self, your body. 
The body is the house you've been given for your heart. It is your earth suit. <laughs> you know, someday I'll get a new suit. Uh, the inner man is given many names in Scripture, the mind, the emotion, the will, the soul, the spirit, just to name a few. And all these terms are collected into one big basket term called the heart. So the heart is the control center of the human being. It's the center of your emotions. It's the center of your cognition and your desires. Essentially, what the Bible says is that the heart is the steering wheel of every human being. The heart controls, shapes, and directs everything you choose, say, and do. What controls the heart will therefore exercise unavoidable control over your behavior. So I love that trip quote because the picture of the steering wheel I just get, right? When, When you steer a car right, it goes right. When you steer a car left, it goes left. And that's exactly like our hearts because those, those things in our hearts determine the words that we say and the actions that we choose. Mm-hmm. So as our heart determines the words and actions we choose, we want to also talk about the things that influence us in our hearts. We need to keep in mind that although these are real factors mm-hmm. that influence our words and our actions, they're not necessarily determinative. Yeah. You know, by that, I mean, they don't cause me to do the things that I do or say the things that I say, but rather they influence me or tempt me in a given direction. You know, and the first of those, as we talk about influences, is is just our physical body. Uh, Our physical body as an influence on us. Here's what I mean by that. You know, if you're sick or you're ill you have a pounding headache or a hurting back, Uh, anything that affects your physical body will have an influence on the decisions that you make that day. You know, we use an acronym a lot in in counseling called HALT, H-A-L-T. And we tell people don't make decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? Mm Because those are probably not the best times to make your decision because your heart's not fully... Um, you don't have the bandwidth to do it like you would have if you weren't one of those things. Mm-hmm. So, so here's an example. I had a recent night when I only got about four hours of sleep. I usually sleep great, but that night I didn't. Well, the next day, I was definitely short on patience and more irritable than usual. My yes, wife would probably say amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, So that's a real influence, right? But it's not an excuse. If I treated people badly that day, if I was shorter and patient... I'm still responsible for that, but I do need to recognize it as an influence. And, you know, next in how our heart is influenced is day-to-day what we call relational or cultural influences. It simply means that the influence that our culture or people around us are having on us on a daily basis. You know, it can be a positive or a negative thing. If you have a friend or a family member or coworker that is encouraging and building you up, yeah. these are the kind of relational influences that we need yeah. in our life. <laughs> yes. And we want those as well. Yeah. You know, but there are also those that can have negative influences on us too. Maybe you're around people who are just always negative in their view of their surroundings or other people and they're always bad mouthing what's going on or bad mouthing people. You don't really want to be around people that seem to always find something or someone to complain about. Mm -hmm. This type of environment can affect you. And the other side of the relational, cultural part of our influence is is just the the media, the religion, the the moral and societal norms. 
all those things exert an influence on us to some degree. And again, these can be positive or negative. And here's an example that's near and dear to our hearts. You know, it's the definition of marriage. And so the laws of our country and many other countries around the world have changed recently to now include same gender couples in their definition of marriage. But God designed marriage to be between one man and one woman, that's his definition. And God made us male and female and gave us the responsibility and the capability to multiply and fill the earth. Only God's design for marriage is how we're made to flourish as his created beings. And, and whether you believe in same-gender marriage or you believe in a traditional biblical definition of marriage, the culture is trying to exert influence on us to think and believe differently. And it exerts pressure on us to conform to its standards instead of God's standards. Right. You know, we also experience spiritual influences. The Bible talks in many places telling us that there is an unseen realm that is real but not visible to our physical eyes. You know, this unseen realm exerts influence on mm. all of us, whether we believe it is real or not. You know, just as sure as the law of gravity causes an object to fall if it's dropped, the unseen spiritual realm is consistently exerting influence mm. on us as well. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about it in terms of what we call spiritual warfare. This is the battle of God's kingdom versus Satan and his kingdom of darkness. You know, and this is, this is not something that's just portrayed in movies like the Lord of the Rings, but it's, it's a spiritual reality that God shares with us so that we can recognize what's happening, right? Yes. And so that we can fight with the spiritual weapons God's given us to us. So again, whether you believe it's true or not, um, that does not change the reality that the unseen spiritual realm does exert influence on our lives individually and on our lives together as a married couple. Right. So if you think about all of these influences that we've mentioned as a circular target with a bullseye in the middle, let's just picture it in your mind as if your heart would represent the bullseye or the center. And then the other circles that are moving away from this bullseye would represent the physical, the relational, and the spiritual influences that affect our heart and our lives. Mm. You know, but around this whole target would be the largest influence that would be represented, and that's the sovereignty of God over our lives. This does not mean that God has not given us a free will. The Bible clearly teaches us that we do have our own yeah. will. He allows us to make our own choices, and we are responsible for those choices. But the Bible also tells us that God exerts His sovereignty over His creation, which is us. Right. You know, He has made us in His image. Well, one quote that really speaks to this says, God rules and overrules in the affairs of men. Mm -hmm. I'll say it one more time. God rules and overrules in the affairs of men. You know, we realize this is a deep theological subject. We're yes. talking about something that's hard to fully grasp as humans. It's like two sides of a coin. The sovereignty of God is on one side and the free will of men and women is on the other. And God somehow works both of those together to accomplish his divine purposes without disrupting our ability to freely choose. So again, the point of all this is not to bait over theological ideas, but to clearly see that there are things that impact and influence our hearts, our physical bodies, our relationships, our culture, 
the unseen spiritual realm and, and certainly God sovereignly over us himself. Right. So as we, as we move now to, to so, so what does this mean for us in everyday life and marriage, right? Now we better understand what the heart is and how it can be influenced. But, but how should knowing these things change the way we live and how we relate to one another? As one of my mentors said, let's, let's bring this down to street level, right? Mm-hmm. Where we can actually use it and apply it in our everyday lives. So I think the first thing we've had to clearly understand and begin to take steps to walk in is that we can't blame things that are outside of ourselves for the things that we do or the things that we say. You know, like events and people in our lives, as well as our physical bodies, we know they exert a real influence into our life. But they still aren't the cause of why we say or do what we do. They are not determinative. Yes, people can tempt me to say bad things or to do the wrong things. People do things that are hurtful and sinful to me, and I respond the wrong way and respond hurtfully or sinfully back. Mm -hmm. But that is still my choice to make, and it is still my responsibility for that choice. If I hurt or am sinful towards someone... That's my problem. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's and, and, not their fault. Yeah, and a classic example of this, I think, I think something all of us could relate to is, we've we probably all said this at some point in my in your life. They make me so angry. Mm-hmm. He makes me so angry. She makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. Well, your spouse or someone else does does have an influence on you, but they're not the one who causes you to become angry, right? Mm-hmm. You could respond differently. You don't have to respond in anger, right? So on a street level, that means we got us to stop blaming our spouse, our kids, our boss, our circumstances for the ways we choose to respond, right? As I told our three kids when they were growing up, I, I told them a million times, and, and God reminds me of this often, my response is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. We, might not, we might not like that, <laughs> but it is biblical truth. And another example of blaming things outside of ourselves is also when we say, well, I couldn't help it. I was depressed, or I couldn't help it. I wasn't feeling well. Or I couldn't help it because, remember, I have attention deficit disorder. Right. Those are still outward things that have an influence over us, but we can't use that as an excuse to hurt our spouse or others around us. Yeah, I'd like to use the term labels. There's lots of labels in society these days for people, for things that we have and things we've experienced. But, again, going back to just the... The root idea. Those things are influences, but we can't blame those for the things that we do. We have to take personal responsibility for those. You know, another way that we need to help transform our hearts is by simply asking God and others that love us to help us see our hearts the way they do. Mm. You know, the real issues of your heart and my heart, they're hard for us to see about ourselves. Yeah. As one person puts it, you know, we're usually blind to our own blindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have to ask for help to see our blindness from two different sources. From God who created us and knows us way better than anybody else will ever mm-hmm. know us. Mm-hmm. And from our spouse and others who also know some about us and care for us. 
You know, as you read the Bible and study God's word, ask him to show you what's in your heart. You know, many people pray Psalm 139 or Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You know, those scriptures are so important because they remind us that real, lasting change requires you to listen to the insight of other people that God has placed in your life and make the effort to apply what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. This means that your spouse needs to be able to speak truth in love to you, even if it's hard to hear. But you should also have other godly men and women you know who speak truth and encouragement over you, both of those. We need people to speak truth. We need people to speak encouragement. We need both of those going on. What that really means is that it takes humility and a real desire to change. We do not usually ask for help until we really see the effects of our sinful choices on others. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes what it takes to humble us to get us to the place where we really want to see lasting change. And the way to wrap up and apply everything we've talked about in this episode to our lives and our marriages is by what we would call remembering the gospel. What we mean by remembering the gospel is truly believing that the same gospel that reconciled me to God continues to work in me and has the power to change me no matter what my heart issue may be. A great example of remembering the gospel is is in my own life, something that's happened over and over in my life is my, is my struggle with sinful anger um, in my adult life, certainly, and in my marriage. And there are times when it's easy just to go, you know, this is just the way I am. I'll always struggle with anger. You can sort of just give up and say, you know, I can't, I can't do anything about this. But when I think that, when I start believing that in my head, I really must repent of those thoughts and believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me if I let God work on me to transform me and my sinful anger. And I, and I have to say, with God's help, and, and especially with the help and patience and grace of my spouse, I have seen significant change in my anger over the years. I, I still have progress to make, <laughs> but the gospel is changing me. It's changing yes. my sinful anger. It's transforming me and allowing me to have spirit-led self-control instead of sinful anger. So as we, as we begin to wrap up today's episode and move into what we call next steps or takeaways, for you as a listener, we want we want you to hear from two men that we really respect, two of our favorite sort of Bible teachers. And the first of those is, is Tim Keller. So here's what pastor and author Tim Keller shares. Whatever captures the heart's trust and love also controls the feelings and behavior. What the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. It is all important then that our counsel to others move the heart to stop trusting and loving other things more than God. What makes people into what they are is the order of their loves. 
what they love most, more, less, and least. That is more fundamental to who you are than even the beliefs to which you mentally subscribe. Your love shows what you actually believe in, not what you say you do. People, therefore, change not by merely changing their thinking, but by changing what they love most. And that, that, that quote is so powerful. I, I love the part of that statement that says, what the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. And I love that because it, it encompasses all the parts of, the, of how we make decisions, our mind, our emotions, and our will. Mm-hmm. So that's the killer quote. Here's a quote from, from Paul David Tripp. Uh, he says, now all this means is that our biggest most life-shaping problems exist inside of us and not outside of us. What needs to be transformed in our lives is not so much our situation and relationships, although they need transformation. What really needs to be transformed are our hearts. What we need are hearts that are clean and that are single-focused in their allegiance to God and His glory. We need His grace and His gospel to transform what we love, what we crave, and what we serve. And what's the promise of the cross of Jesus Christ? It's a new heart. Here's the gorgeous message of the gospel. Even though I have bowed again and again to an endless list of God replacements, even though I've loved myself more than I've loved God, even though I've rebelled against God's kingdom and sought to set up my own kingdom, God comes to me in grace and wraps arms of love around me and begins a process that will result in the total transformation of the core of my personhood, my heart. The Lord won't rest and he won't relent until he's created in you and in me a completely pure heart. Now, these two men have summed up this subject of the heart so well. We're going to add their quotes to the show notes if you'd like to have these in written form. You know, in a simple way of restating it all, what rules our heart, rules our life, and rules our relationships. My bride and I want to remind you of this, that that there's no easy one, two, three steps to fixing your heart. Mm -mm. (laughs) We all love to read those those articles that go three easy steps to this, (laughs) right? But there's no three easy steps to, to changing your heart. The reasons that we do the things we do come from our heart's And those are not easy to discover. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes effort. And it really, it takes the Holy Spirit working in us and the help of our spouse and others to see those things. So know that if you truly want to work on your heart level issues so that you won't keep airing up your tire (laughs) every week, right? You need to take some time to really evaluate why you do the things you do and take steps to not keep repeating those same behaviors. Right. Ask your spouse to help you recognize when you don't respond or behave rightly. You know, maybe they're able to point out, hey, I think you're a little too tired right now. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe we need to have this discussion later. Or you really do have something going on that you don't feel well. Or you're just going through a time of just you're not able to handle your emotions well. Be aware and cognizant of that and listen to your spouse when they help you see that that's going on as well. Sure. And just another reminder in this whole change process, 
you know, grace is, is really critical, the giving and receiving of grace in marriage. And God has designed you as a person's spouse to play a part in helping his or her transformation. Mm-hmm. And, and, but you have to remain humble and teachable and full of his grace so that you can be a, an important part of that transforming process. So remember to give grace. As God gives it to you, give it out to your spouse. That's really part, an important part of the transformation process. You know, and some other steps you can take is um, we've included a couple of links to resources that we think are really valuable. So the first one is called Questions to Help Reveal Our True Heart Motivations. And the second one is called Reflections on the Heart Bible Study. You know, these will help ground you or reground you in what the Bible has to say on this vital topic of your heart and to truly get down to hopefully the root of what's causing behaviors in us that we're not happy about. So I just want to take a moment to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've made us in your image, Lord that you've given us a heart and a mind and a will that's made to follow and worship you. And yet, Lord, our hearts often turn away from you and pursue our own desires. Lord, help every husband and wife listening to recognize those things outside of them that pull them away from you. And rather than blaming those things for the choices that we make, that we would take full responsibility for those choices. Lord, thank you for the power of the gospel and your desire to bring transformation in me and every husband and wife listening as we cooperate with you. By your power, Lord, transform what we love, what we crave, and what we serve so that we can wholeheartedly follow you, Lord. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Abiding Marriage Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with your spouse and share it with other couples you know. It's the most common way that people will find us. So we so appreciate you taking the time to do that. We appreciate that. And we hope y'all come back for another episode. God bless y'all. Bye. Bye.